Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Cariad Lloyd. Griefcast is a place to talk, share and laugh about the peculiar human process of death and grief. Each week I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey Griefsters, I hope you're having an okay week wherever you are. I hope it's not too cold and dark and bleak if you are on this bit of the hemisphere. Uh, I hope it's warming up if you're on the other bit of the hemisphere. I'm, I didn't do geography, I'm not, I'm not great at that, that sort of placing of where everybody is, <laughs> sorry. I did history guys, I have to talk about history. Um, thank you so much for listening to season 10 of the Griefcast, it is hugely appreciated we've been going we i've been going i say we to make it sound like there's a huge gang of people producing the show it's me and my editor kate uh, <laughs> um thank you so much for listening basically we're very very grateful uh i have mentioned it quite a bit this season but um i just want to let you know in case you didn't know uh, already i've written a book it's called you are not alone it's out january the 17th and you can pre order it now um if you think you're going to buy it anyway a pre-order is an amazing thing to do a massive massive favor to me it really helps authors and counts towards the first week of sales so if you if you think oh, i probably will buy that anyway please do a pre-order i would hugely hugely appreciate it if you've done so already thank you so so much i'm sorry i mention it every week i feel very awkward and british about the whole thing so um i'm very sorry for mentioning it but thank you very much if you have um appreciated this week i'm talking to the brilliant writer john ransom John is the author of the book The Whale Tattoo, which came out uh, this year, earlier this year. Um, It's a fiction book, so it's about grief. I guess it's not a traditional grief book, as we say in the chat. You know, it's sort of, yeah, a fiction book where grief is in the narrative, but it's about lots of other things. It's about being queer and growing up in the countryside and family and relationships and, and water and our relationship. It's a really, really beautiful sort of lyrically poetical book and I 
you know, I have a lot of grief books to read and I picked it up thinking, oh, I'll just start this. And then I, I got sucked in because I was like, wow, this is really, really powerful. So I can't recommend the book enough. It really is a beautiful piece. Um, this is also a very special interview because John really hasn't spoken a lot about his grief. You know, he's talked more about the book. So I was really, really grateful that John chose to sort of talk more truthfully and honestly about what happened with both his parents uh, and their losses so yeah this was a really touching interview and thank you John for speaking to me so John who are we remembering today we are remembering my mum and my dad your mum and your dad so what what their names we start with that uh my mum was Mary and my dad is David and um so who died first? Was it your mum that you asked first? My my mum is, I guess, the more complicated and the more complex one. Um, she died quite suddenly. Um, so she died first. Right. And um, that happened quite fast. She went into hospital on a Thursday and she died the following Thursday. Oh, my goodness. So that was very, um, it was really baffling um, and very... Wow. Again, very surreal. Yeah. yeah. Was she, had she been ill or is it just like out of the blue? Um, she, th- this is, this is the one of the things that we've, we've talked about with my sister. We've talked about this a lot. They asked her why she basically hadn't come into hospital before. So wow. with, she had um, uh, bowel, bowel cancer oh. and she hadn't been to the doctor. I mean, growing up, she's just, do you know, I can, I was thinking about this over the last couple of days. I can hardly ever remember her going to the doctor. Right. So when she finally got into hospital and my sister had called me and I turned up at the same, you know, well, not actually at the same time, it was about an hour later, the doctor asked her, the first thing he asked her was why on earth had she not come to the doctor sooner, had come to the hospital sooner? And she just said that she was afraid to. And that's been one of the things that I guess I've returned to the most, this idea that she kind of was in all of this pain and she must have had some sense that she was really poorly, mm. but she was too afraid to go to the doctors or the hospital. So when my when my sister my sister called the ambulance for her in the end, and when the ambulance arrived, Kate told me this. My sister's called Kate. You know, they they asked her how much pain she was in, and she said that um, uh, it was worse than having children, and she'd had four children. Wow. So it's not until afterwards, I guess, that I. Um, I, th- I think, you know, more about um, how bad it must have been, how afraid she must have been not to have gone to the doctor or to have gone to the hospital. I think that's very sad. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, uh, it's sad, isn't it? Because I guess in her mind that that was the better alternative. Whereas, yeah. you know, we might feel like, well, they might have helped you or they might have given you a painkiller and pain relief. Yeah. And yeah, God, I mean, to be have four kids and say that, that's like, yeah. I guess you're in a lot of pain. Like, Yeah, that... she was, apparently it was, it was, it was terrible. And oh. um, they operated right away, um, but they couldn't remove the tumour. It was too large. Wow. And um, she, she died the following Thursday. And it was such a different experience for my dad because we didn't, me and my sister, my brothers weren't there. Me and my sister, we didn't. We didn't know what to do, what to yeah. ask for, how to sort of manage the situation. I didn't know about hospices and things like that, that we, that she didn't have to die on a ward and stuff. Yeah. These are all things that came later. Yeah, it's. I think it's yeah. very hard if it's your first big medical experience of someone. You know what I mean? It like was, you said, yeah. if she hadn't been 
you know, if her cancer had been diagnosed previously, you would have been on that train already of like yeah. treatments and doctors and you know which way to exactly. go in the ward and you know where the cafe is. Like, yeah. But to just get thrown into that and be like, oh, it's cancer. And so I guess yeah. by the time she got in, it, her body was like, right, this is. Her, her, she, her body was just completely, um, it had gone septic and she was oh. she was literally dying. Oh, and the, the, she responded really badly to the surgery, to the drugs. Oh. One of the strangest things was when we saw her the first time after surgery, she looked like a completely different person. Wow. It was, again, I could use the word baffling and surreal quite a lot because it was. Yeah. She physically appeared different, her face. Wow. Um, she looked more like my grandmother, I guess. And it was, it was, it was actually a huge shock, yeah. Yeah. And... She um, she was in and out of kind of consciousness for the rest of the time. We had very short sort of times with her to talk about things. It was it was a very strange time. Yeah. So when she finally died that week later, were you yeah. were you with her when that happened? No, because she was so tired and just didn't want us there on the ward all the time. Mm. They'd moved her onto a ward where basically they have people who are in a similar position to her so you there's no visiting restrictions so we would just sit there and she'd wake up and be stressed that we'd been sitting there so she didn't you know want us there so we'd be going back and forth constantly and she died in the night so we we just didn't well very early in the morning actually but we we didn't we didn't get there until after it happened so and then we had the decision whether to um see her in the um, morgue and stuff which um, we decided we wanted to. And um, then when we got there, we decided we didn't. So we didn't we didn't see her in the end, which is yeah. something, again, we kind of think about yeah. quite a bit. It's hard, isn't it? I don't think there's... There's not really a right or wrong. I've interviewed so many people, and sometimes people have said, oh, I... I went to see the body and I'm, you know, it really, I'm really glad I did. And yeah. other people have said, I wish I hadn't. I like, I regret it. Yeah. Or at the time I thought it was great, but now 10 years on, I, I don't know why I did that to myself. Like, yeah, the, you know, you only you can only make the decision you can make at that time and there's just nothing else yeah. you can do. No. And it sounds like if she really didn't want you sitting there, it sounds like she would have been, she wouldn't have wanted you there in the night anyway. You know what I mean? Like, it sounds like I, she was so obviously I, still being a mum to you I all. think so. I, th- yeah. I, th- I think she would have been very stressed to have had us there because it was completely different um, with my dad. Um, yeah. You know, I, he, he died with only me there. My sister was poorly with a migraine and it was a completely different experience. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the hard thing about my mum is that because um, I started writing after my mum died, and I hadn't written anything until she died. Wow. That was, okay. That, yeah. That was what started the whole writing process. Wow. Um, I had all these stories in my head, and after she's she died, I was just I felt really compelled to write them down to start writing things down. Yeah. And that's kind of how the writing journey um, started for me. But at the same time, I still think even today I'm kind of avoiding writing about my mum. Yeah. Um, in, in this sort of strange way, I was asked, um, I just did I Write a few weeks ago, and I was asked on the panel if there was anything in the book that I felt, um, you know, I hadn't put in there, you know, that I would have liked to have put in there or for whatever reason hadn't. And I hadn't thought about that or been asked that before. And I realised that there's this big section in the book that I feel if I could go in and put something in, I would put more about um, Joe's mother in mm-hmm. the book. But I feel that I just, at the time of writing it, I wasn't able to um, to write about it, which is, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's funny because when, um, when <laughs> you know, your publishers get in touch 
and they say oh you know we've got a writer i'm gonna send you this book and and you know i think they said oh you know yeah he can talk about his mum and you i read the book which is amazing it is such a book but the whole time i was like oh like because i kept thinking oh it's you know because often when they approach me it's like oh it's a book about grief and it really is a book this story and i was like oh it's not okay that's not the story that's here it's not that it's completely something else but it's very present in the book even though it's not there so i think that's really interesting that you say oh i would have put it in because his mum is like is there even though you haven't written it down it's like this there's a big space there that you're like oh i'm in the room with joe and i can see no one is talking about that (laughs) like this blank space like i definitely got that sense of like something is not being dealt with which actually i think for that character really worked thank you i think that's really i'm really pleased that you felt that because i think obviously at the center of the book is how he can't deal with um death and you know he believes it's chasing him and so on so i think it's really interesting that i wasn't kind of ready to um to to write about these some of these things but it still kind of hopefully works for him yeah definitely yeah how how long ago was this that your mum passed away my mum died um uh, 10 years ago 10 years ago wow we say a lot on the show like five years 10 years yeah like those are big they just come with this weight that you don't want them to come to (laughs) they do no it's 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 yeah it's it's 10 years this year and it feels like longer but it feels much much sooner as well yeah, it's the way that t- time is not linear. It can no, like be next to you not. and ten years at the same time. Yeah, I mean it's it's a really beautiful book, and it um, you know I say listeners, it isn't one of those grief books where you have to like prepare yourself. <laughs> like, oh, it's a really sad story. Like, it is a sad story, but really, it's you know about this young guy and his life in this by the sea, <laughs> trying to deal with who he is. Um, yeah, and I think that's really interesting like you said that it wasn't till she died that then it became a compulsion to write these stories down do you do you have a regret then is that what it is that she didn't know that 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 part of you happened I think that um again I think about that a lot she told us stories all the time so we grew up with all of these stories she read quite a lot and I didn't hardly read at all and she would always tell us stories, you know, um, growing up, um, all these. And she was she had an incredible imagination, which I think I think a lot of working class um, mothers do. I think <laughs> yeah. they have to be re- they have to be really inventive and creative because you can't pay for your kid to go and do something. Instead, you have to occupy them, I said, yeah, I get in a sense. Yeah. So she was very, very good at telling stories. And I just think it was this kind of it felt like I had this kind of urgency to do something more with um, my life that I felt that perhaps I was just not not doing enough. And I started writing these stories down and I realised that they kind of, they, they felt very therapeutic. They really sort of helped me. I, I sort of read, all, I went off on one and read lots of different things. I read a lot about Buddhism and um, quantum physics, all <laughs> kinds of things, trying to sort of look for answers and stuff. But I found the most, the most kind of comfort, the most sort of, I guess, safety in a way it was, was with writing things down, writing these stories in my head. That's really interesting, isn't it? Like what the power of story and what it can do to yeah. you especially if, if you're someone who expresses themselves that way I, I find it really interesting that yeah it took that moment to be like oh I am going to write these down because I I think so many of and I definitely I've got better I write stuff down now but just live in our heads with these stories and like yeah. there's a world up there that you can just visit <laughs> it's like yeah. it's quite nice up here actually guys like <laughs> everybody's alive and oh I'm having conversations and I'm working things out but to to write them down I think you're right 
when you start there's a it's, a it's like a different physical process that happens like when you're just imagining I don't know you kind of lose track of things but when you write them down it does become therapeutic it does become mm. like I've processed something there's something in the act of that that makes you go oh and that's how I felt about that isn't it that when yeah, you're in your definitely. head you don't you can't kind of separate them yeah definitely um so that was 10 years ago how long ago was it for your father what happened there uh five years on um wow. saturday oh. so he died on <laughs> he died on father's day so wow. five years ago it was it was the sunday um on father's was, day oh john he that died, is... yeah he, <laughs> i know that God. his story is completely different um he went to the doctors with a cough and they run a whole bunch of tests and he had cancer everywhere at once wow. so he had um kidney liver lung and bone cancer oh my god so he was really poorly um just just right off like that we went from him being you know just you know okay to having all of that going on yeah it was again it was a strange experience um because the specialist we spoke to tells people these things every day unfortunately it felt like he was announcing um like a weather forecast (laughs) And it yeah. really, it really sort of, I suppose it really annoyed me. Yeah. And again, my sister. But we were really fortunate. We got him on a drug trial at Adam Brooks wow. with this amazing woman, doctor, um, absolutely brilliant person. And um, he lived for a year. Wow. Originally, he was diagnosed that it would be a few weeks to like two months maximum. Wow. Um, so that was really cool. We had We had a year with him. And it was, it was like a second go with my dad because... <sighs> It's a hard thing to admit, but I definitely loved my mum more. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was much closer, and I think a lot of people don't like to kind of say those things out loud, but it's just how it was. Yeah. But my dad, we then had this kind of second chance with him and found out that he was actually an amazing person, which was kind of bittersweet, I yeah. guess, because we you find this out quite late. Um, he'd, don't, he'd always been a really good dad, but I guess I was just so much closer to my mum. Yeah, yeah. It might be part part of being, you know, part of the LGBT plus community and stuff. So maybe it's maybe it was for that reason with my mum. I was closer yeah. than my dad, even though he'd he'd seemed, you know, to be okay about these things, you know, growing up. But wow. yeah, so we had we got him on this drug trial, and um, yeah, for a year, and we had this kind of incredible experience with him. You know, we were there at every every stage, blood transfusions, every appointment. We'd go for picnics and stuff in Adam Brooks <laughs> and stuff, and it was. It was like a a really strange but really um, uh, sort of important year. That's incredible. Yeah. That's amazing. Especially after, like you said, what like yin-yang to your mum's situation of like having no time, like that week being like taken from you to then be like, oh this person that we get a year like that's incredible like yeah and it's funny I totally understand what you're saying because I mean a year is nothing it's not enough time but also once you when you can compare it to a week you're like well I'll take it (laughs) (laughs) this I'll have it and um and yeah obviously it's it's great that you have it but at the same time of course of course you can't help but look back and go well why didn't we do this before but I think death and illness like just bring everything into focus and you know it's very easy to tick along with people and be like yeah they seem okay I'm okay I'm living my life they're doing their life yeah and to not you know it's hard to be like I wonder you know if you'd said to your dad five years before that like we're going for a picnic and I'm going to talk to you be like, oh okay <laughs> like this is intense whereas when you know yeah. like the clock's ticking you know everything just becomes a bit easier I don't know maybe that's also a bit of a British mm. thing did you find that like 
he opened up more like you were able to have more conversations yeah definitely he talked a lot more about being um a boy he talked a lot about that about being younger which was really interesting we got lots of stories that i'd never heard before about him growing up we met quite a few people through him that he grew up with that we hadn't met before either which was really interesting and he never complained not a single time truly he never once said you know why is this happening to me right at the beginning he he asked if if we would just be really clear about everything really straight on so we promised that we'd be really truthful so when he said you know do we think this is going to work what do i think happens after he dies you know things like that i just had to say what i what what i i believe to be true because yeah. we promised that um we would just kind of tell him the truth <sighs> and he was um he was he was surprisingly funny. I mean, like <laughs> laugh out loud funny, and I really didn't know that about him at all. Wow, wow that's so amazing. that was really interesting. We 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 spent most of that that year laughing. Wow, truly, we did. And he hadn't been but, like a jokey dad, like particularly. No, he wasn't. Wow. No, and also incredibly enough, he was in no pain at all until the last few days. He only went on to um, uh, the morphine yeah, pack and everything yeah. that does it itself. Um, you know, intermittently. Um, he only went on that when we got to the hospice. Oh. And then he died quite quickly at the hospice, though. My sister um, had a migraine, bless her, um, which she thinks dad planned. <laughs> <laughs> so she wasn't there because I don't think she would have um, she would have wanted to have been there. Yeah. Um, but I was there and that was um, a very strange experience. Yeah. To sort of be in, be in the room as it happened. Yeah. It's, I expected it was going to be a little bit like you see on TV or a film, but it, <laughs> yeah, it it's nothing... It's nothing yeah. like that. It was strange because I, I don't have children and I don't really have an interest in um, being a parent personally. But at the time it was happening, for the first time, I, I felt, you know, what it might feel like to be a parent because he sort of curled up into this kind of like slight ball on his side and stuff. And it, it felt like he was, like I was the parent, that he yeah. was a small boy. And... um that was intense yeah yeah quite intense yeah it's these moments that you have and I think yeah I completely understand because birth and death in the human experience are, are these sort of you know significant markers where you kind of understand where you've all come from if that makes sense yeah. like and, um, and you don't you know you like you said you don't have to be a parent but when you are parenting your parent you do suddenly see, oh, I see, we're all just these little people that were once babies and, like, nobody yeah. knows anything. Everyone is just a tiny screaming ball of a person trying to exist. And and yeah. it, it's d- birth and death. You know, when you hold a newborn baby, that's how you feel. Like, oh, my God, like, nobody, like, my parents didn't know what they were doing. No one's ever known what they're doing. Like, <laughs> everyone just, ha- make, you can just do it and there's a baby, that's it. Or, so, you know, some of us are blessed to be able to do that. But it doesn't yeah. mean you know anything. And um, that's what happens, I think, when you become a parent. You sort of realise, oh, no one knows anything. And when you, you see your parent die, yeah, you're like, oh, I see. Like, nobody is invincible or magic no. or, like, we're all just humans that will die. And it, it's such a profound experience, but it is such a... The rest of your life never looks like that. So it's like a really weird moment. in the rest of your life is, you know, this everydayness that we all live all the time. Absolutely. Did it make you... I was just wondering, did it make you sort of see your mum and your dad in that way of like, oh, that's what my mum liked like you know like this funny nice guy that you're hanging out with did you sort of see them as maybe I don't I don't know I I, I don't know what I what I think about that I just in some ways I just uh, the main thing I've thought about is how um 
you know, I hadn't connected with him until that point that he was so yeah, ill. Yeah. And that's a strange thing to kind of discover. But I guess after, after he died, I then became really obsessed with writing. Wow. Um, and that's when I became obsessed with, you know, the death element in the book, that it starts with this idea that um, death follows people. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much where it, where it sort of launched from. Wow. From that moment. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, it's... it's it's a really powerful book and I, and I really enjoyed it in a way because it's not about grief or like, you know, in the, it, it, it's a book, it's like a, you know, a book where it's me, it's about many things. That's what I like. Yeah. So like, it's not like, oh, I see, it's just about this. And that's what I'm learning. It's like, it's just messy, confused characters and it covers lots yeah. of things. So that's, it was like nice. It was, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed, enjoyed is a tough word because it is a tough read as well at the same time. But um but not in that, yeah, not in the, I guess because it's so truthful. That was the other thing I, well, I liked it. And also I was like, sometimes I felt like I had to like look away, you know, like, whoa, <laughs> like yeah. the way this life yeah. is so harsh and what's happening, well, people should read it. So it's, I'm, I don't want to give away it, it, too it much. It is quite, no, it is quite, it is quite harsh, but that's, um, that's what I wanted to do. That's sort of my experience mm. because I didn't, um, uh, you know, I don't have a degree or anything. So I just... I, I sat down, you know, after he died and decided that I wanted to keep writing. I wrote the first draft on my mobile phone wow. on the way to work on the bus back and forth. Wow. And I just, I wrote, the, all the places in the in the book are um, real places where I grew up in, in Norfolk and in Lynn. Um, but it's obviously a fictitious story, fictitious characters. Yeah. And I wanted that kind of authenticity to kind of be part of, um, you know, the experience of the book because it was my own experience growing up in that part of the world yeah, so, yeah it felt like that you definitely got that sense mm. of reality to it definitely because you were like this is like john knows this this is real yeah. <laughs> um especially the places hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. So how, what I'd like, so obviously we've talked a lot on the show about the grief of parents, but the grief of once you've lost both parents is a very, just a different room, I suppose. You just walk through to the next room. Like, how did you process that of like, okay, I am now 
you know, I don't have my parents here. Did you feel it a profound change in you, particularly? I don't know. I still don't know how I feel about quite a lot of it, I guess. Yeah. I think that my dad, because we, we had that year and we had time to kind of do things and talk about things, and I saw the whole process, you know, through to the end, is different. So I feel that I'm kind of settled with my dad, like everything's yeah. kind of a bit tidier. But with my mum, I, f- I still feel quite unsettled that I wasn't there, that that we ha- I have these questions about, um, you know, how afraid she must have been. Yeah. Um, I find that quite sort of um, sad, I guess. So, but I do, I do feel, um, I guess I feel different as a person because I can't, we talked quite a lot. I used to talk to my mum constantly. So I do have this element of kind of like space that exists that's kind of really quite empty now that yeah. I don't have these the same conversations um like my mum would have got such a buzz out of um me publishing a book um she would have loved that um although I don't know (laughs) someone did ask what would she think about the actual content in the book um I think she'd be cool with it but um but I'll never know yeah so they're they're quite strange to have these kind of like um moments of like that I'm proud of I guess or what you might call a little bit of success that um that they'll they, they don't get to see Oh yeah, definitely. And again, that comes up so much on the show of these moments and everything, you know, your life becomes a very bittersweet flavour. So, you know, everything becomes, you know, it's great. You're saying it happens, you think, oh wow, but there is always a part of you and it doesn't destroy the happiness. That's the thing I think sometimes people struggle to understand. They think like, oh, you're just sad all the time. You're like, no, no, I'm like happy the thing happened. But then there's just like a slice of it that is like sad. (laughs) That you're like, oh like you know really nice cake but like someone put like licorice on the top or something because I don't like licorice they you're like oh that taste is sad <laughs> that's a shame that's there but it's there like it's just part like I can't do anything about it so and I think yeah and like you said it's those conversations where and what's funny I don't know if you have this if you have a very close relationship or or you did speak to them you kind of know, like you said, you can say they would have liked this. They wouldn't like, you kind of know the person. So you continue the relationship with that person, even though they're not there. And it's a strange, it's a strange thing to have this ongoing one-sided conversation, even though like you can write that character, like, you know, that character, you know what they would have said and done. So you can write it in your head, but there's always a part of you going, yeah, but I am, I am writing it. You know, I'm, I I think this is what they would have done. You know, people do surprise you. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Definitely um, do. Yeah. It's a, it's a strange, the success thing is, is strange. And especially as of what you've had of like wanting to be a writer and then, and then achieving it because that is like a big journey that lots of people try and don't make or don't attempt to finish the book on the bus, you know, like incredible. (laughs) You wrote it on the bus. Yeah, I've been really driven. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, I I, I guess, I guess seeing seeing your parents die, you you think about your own death. Mm. I think it's inevitable. And I keep thinking that, um, I guess I kept thinking that I want to do something um, more. And it's turned out to be really sort of um, enjoyable. I mean, I've been hugely lucky my whole journey has been incredible. I've I've met some incredible people um, who've made all of this possible. Writing, I think, is such a small part of publishing a book. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's such a bigger thing. And there's so many people involved who've just been so gracious and really kind and interested in, you know, what I'm what I'm writing in this story that's come about um, through my parents dying. I mean, I don't actually think if they hadn't have died that I would have written a book. Wow. So I think that's... That seems really quite strange, but yeah. 
That's funny, isn't it? That, yeah. And, and again, it's like that road that you can look down and it doesn't exist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of like, yeah. And I know exactly what you mean. Like it definitely, my dad dying definitely made me a much more driven person. Um, and we call it sometimes on the show, like the fire. Like it's like you have this fire in you because you're just like, I don't care. I don't care anymore about all this other bullshit. I don't care. Yeah. like I know what matters like you're given this gift and it does I don't think it lasts forever <laughs> I think it, I personally it's like about you get about five years worth of this like I, I know exactly what I need to do is this um yeah and not everybody gets it obviously but I think a lot I've, a lot of people I've spoken to after grief in grief have just gone it's like it just clears the decks you know and you can just look down and go I know exactly what I need from this situation and it's this yeah but it's um a weird it's weird <laughs> It is when that's exactly how I feel that you do. You you just you, you have this kind of idea of what, what you want to do. Just it was around a year after he died. I was standing outside a bookshop and I just thought that is exactly what I'm going to do with my writing. I'm going to I want a book on a shelf. Wow. And then that's that's literally how it how it kind of it got, you know, driven. And I found all of these free events and stuff um, for kind of people with less money and less opportunities and things. And um here I am sort of now it's and it's literally five exactly five yeah. years later five years on Saturday <laughs> not it doesn't mean your fire's going out don't worry <laughs> no let's hope not <laughs> no it isn't I hope it doesn't go out just yet no no I don't think yeah. I think because as long as you use it to get you on the right path then you're on yeah. the path it's like it's like getting you out of this fog that you've been in when you're like oh, I don't know maybe I'll do this maybe I'll do well you said you just go oh I'm gonna do that that's that's the thing and then you can start you're on the right road almost yeah. but yeah it's um it's so weird, isn't it? It's so weird that like this awful sadness is wrapped up in this, you know, not not joy, but like a part of yourself that maybe you didn't know or like you didn't understand that. And and it's not to say like you can't have a happy life without your parents dying. Like it's just <laughs> this other side to grief that, that exists. Yeah. And I think, like you said, doesn't get really spoken about. You know, we kind of think of the, the TV and the Hollywood like death looks yeah. like this, but we don't ever really realize until you're in the club oh there's this other part of it it's this multifaceted part of what grief looks like definitely the whole thing has been um you know there's been things that i knew nothing about like you know we didn't have a clue how to arrange a funeral um my dad was incapable of doing a thing when they told him um at the hospital what was happening he was like so literally this was like a film you know when you have that standard answer like so she'll be you know better tomorrow kind of thing like total denial like he he, like almost like he had not been standing beside us and had a completely different conversation he simply couldn't accept it so with the funeral and everything that was all left to me and my sister and that was again a surreal thing to arrange your mother's funeral and stuff but we just we, we we did it we got on with it and um we just kind of you know went for it in the end and just you know had to sort of you know make these decisions and you know learn as you go along yeah like i'm sure a lot of people have to yeah i think that is like you said once you your first when you're thrown into the swimming pool of of dealing with yeah. death you're like oh okay i have to just like kick my legs do i like otherwise it's, i can't stay here how are you feeling about this you know the 10 years the five years like is there do you feel sometimes we say like do you feel a bit more griefy at the moment? Sometimes it sort of comes up. Um, I think that lockdowns made things a bit different because yeah. we call them dead days. Um, so we never were keen on the idea of, um, and again, I certainly don't want to sort of, you know, think about how other people see death. It's it's an individual thing. But we didn't like the idea of kind of people sort of passing over this these kind of expressions. Yeah, yeah. We wanted to be very clear that um, 
to us it was death and being dead. Yeah. So um, we have these kind of dead days where we go to the beach with my sister, but with lockdown and stuff, that's been different. But Kate always says that in a way, every day is like a dead day, yeah. even if it is 10 years, because it will be weird things. I think smell is the weirdest thing that yeah. that's what surprises me the most when I will like go to take something out of the oven or something out of a drawer and I'll smell something from my life with my parents. Yeah. And smells really clever like that, how it can kind of, you know, bring about memory. Um, I find that really interesting. So I guess, you know, I, I get a surprise sometimes or I'll be on the bus and someone will have um, a coat on that my mum had. And for a second, I literally can't breathe just for a few seconds. It like yeah. literally takes my breath away because then I remember everything in, in one go. So... I, I don't I don't think we've we've gotten used to the idea or not gotten used to the idea. I think it's kind of it it goes with, you know, our like mood all the day or what's happening in the world. I think it's just such a movable thing, yeah. death, that you respond to it differently at different times. So the ten years doesn't necessarily feel like a long time to me mm. if that makes sense yeah yeah I mean I'm yeah. I'm 20 plus in so yeah. I like I think 10 is not yeah isn't, it isn't that long and I always say like when you were 10 years old you know nobody would have said to your parents god you're still talking about him like he's 10 like you had a kick like move out get him out the house time for him to move on like we allow yeah. we allow time to exist in such different places so with with children or with a you know a house you wouldn't be like oh it's who cares you lived there 10 years but with death you're like really still 10 years is a long time it isn't isn't a long time like you had that parent no. in your life for you know your whole life like yes um, it, it, 10 is yeah it doesn't mean that's the thing it means nothing and it means everything at exactly the same time time yeah and i think that's the hard thing about grief is like grief for me is constantly two things existing at the same time and having to balance that in your brain of like well yeah 10 years is a long time but also 10 years is not a long time and and both these feelings are true yeah did you have any or have you had any therapy did you go down that road at all or was the writing just enough yeah no therapy um uh, my sister did she had a little bit of therapy um I guess I found it easier to kind of you know put put myself down on um, paper and kind of imagine different things some of it's you know some of the things I wrote were kind of like little um, pieces about the past and things we'd done but mainly I've just tried to use telling stories as a way to kind of like express the things I feel I guess but through the safety of a character yeah where you know they can you know kind of flip out on the page or whatever might happen to them so I can kind of not have to (laughs) (laughs) kind of yeah yeah well that I mean that's the joy of yeah the joy of good Making writing stuff up. yeah and the, and good writing because if someone can allow you to to go on the journey that they yeah they're not doing themselves it's it's very visceral to read isn't it yeah and i th- you know obviously therapy is such a personal thing and it i think as long as you have something like that's the thing like as long as you have yeah. writing or gardening or like knitting or therapy or talking to your best friend like everybody just needs an outlet for the things that live in our head and i yeah I, uh, I think that like whatever whatever it works god that's the, that's all you need isn't it something to yeah. to work and make you feel better with the book like i wonder if you wanted to talk about like how it's felt with it with it coming out now and having to talk about it like has it has it felt like that's brought up stuff that you were like oh i didn't you know yeah, it has a few things. Today. yeah yeah definitely it, it brought up about how i felt that joe hadn't kind of like 
explored enough about his mother in the story because mm. at this at the center of the story what i think is is kind of important it is that it's these three women um you know dora and his dead sister and his mother who's also dead and i guess that um that yeah it's made me yeah i i think people people are interested in in the background how, how the writings come about mm. so that that's been um okay to talk about that you know I've, i had you know my parents um die and that you know it started this kind of like writing journey i've been okay to talk about that i guess it's got harder when i've tried to talk about the details kind of experienced through the characters mm. that i can kind of relate to because i wrote them yeah but they're still not i suppose it's because they're not really me but they kind of a part are a part of me yeah so it's difficult to try and pin down because you've kind of i've tried to kind of distance myself from you know exploring these things at the same time as needing to explore them in the writing so it's it feels a bit confusing almost yeah and it's like exactly what we're talking about of like things being two things at the same time of like yeah you wrote them but they're not you but they came from you but it's not your life and (laughs) like and then and your distance from it because you wrote a story in front of it to distance yourself but obviously there's like a seed at the middle of it all that is your experience yeah. And I think it's interesting with writing, isn't it? I think people really want it to be um, logical. Like, I wrote this because I'd, I lived exactly here and I yeah, had this I experience. So. And then when you, and I think sometimes the sort of magic of writing is like, well, we can't. We can't make a straight line between John and this character. Like, there isn't yeah. one. There isn't a straight line because no. you have an imagination. <laughs> so Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a really good point. I think people do want it to be neat. Yeah. A lot of the times people think that Joe must, must be my story, that yeah, Joe yeah. is, you know, really me, which, of course, he isn't at all. Um, but people do like things to be neat. And I think death isn't neat. Mm. And it is, for me, I've, I've found it baffling and um, I suppose inspiring as well that has driven me to write something. So I'm constantly kind of confused by it, but I'm kind of, um, I'm accepting that I don't understand um, everything I feel. I think acceptance is a pretty important thing that it's okay to feel the way I do. It's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay to, you know, want to write about something or not write about it it's it's my personal choice what to share I guess yeah I think that's a really nice way of putting it of like accepting I don't understand everything I feel (laughs) because I think like that's so much part of the human condition is like well I have a feeling like why what is it what does it mean and you know sometimes you find an answer and that so then you think right okay that's it I have to always look for an answer I'm I feel this it's hunger I needed to eat and then other times like grief doesn't it doesn't pl- follow that plot line. It just like does, like no. you said, it's so messy and so confused. And I think that's why I, you know, I like the book so much because I think it really captured that this character that's obviously grieving, massively, massively grieving about so yeah. many things. And, and very clearly his mother is this a huge part of it, but he's not doing things that make sense. <laughs> and it's no, like, sometimes definitely. you're like, oh, what is he up to now? And you go, <laughs> yeah, that's what people do. They just sort of, we're all sort of just bumping around do, doing things randomly, but we like to think, oh yes, I know what I'm doing. And and I think, you know, we, yeah. we have, like you said, you know, after they died, you had this, this clarity of like I do want to write that's what I'm going to do and so because we have these moments we believe they'll always be there (laughs) like they're really not like most of the time you are sort of bumbling along doing your best definitely yeah definitely that I guess that that's life and I think that I'm glad that's kind of 
translated like that in the book because I didn't want the, the, the main characters to unpick themselves. Yes. I just, yeah, because we, we, we spend so much of all, so much of our lives kind of like analysing everything. Yeah. And I think death, if you, if you can kind of, if you get in this space where that's all you're thinking about why the things have happened the way they've happened, I don't think that's a really good space to be in. Yeah. So I like this idea of not unpicking everything and just, and just accepting it. And I think, you know, again, that's, that's the truth of human, like of, of humans. Like they don't always know why they're doing things, and it would be great. Yeah. I mean, God, you know, we've all been in relationships with people. Who were like, why are they doing that? And like, they don't know. And that's basically also how it feels to be a parent. Like you just have these people that you're like, why are you doing that? And they look at you like, I don't know. I don't know why I did that. And you think, oh, but I'd love you to know why. And constantly seeking that from someone it is, um, you know, a well that will never fill up. It it, it doesn't offer anything. And no. um, and I think that yeah, particularly with grief, it's the first. It can be the first time in people's life when you when you really learn that lesson. You know, like yeah. you can think you have so much control, or you know, I do the right exams and I do the right job, and I'm going to get these things. Yeah. And it's the first time. It's like yeah, there's no logic, and it's interesting to me, like you said, with your mum's death, like not just the difference of what a death can mean to someone. And I think, again, we try and make death equal the same for everybody. But actually, how someone dies, what you get beforehand can totally affect the grief and, you know, the way you process it. And, and of course, you know, having time with someone and... And then it's funny, though, isn't it? Because you, it, it was probably your mum's situation that made this, you know, you and your dad and your siblings go, oh, well, let's not do what happened yeah. last time. And if she hadn't 100%. had that, you wouldn't have found that. So it's... No, it is. That's a very strange thing, but that's very true. How what happened with my mum definitely affected what happened with my dad. I think even his response, because mm. how he didn't understand what was happening with my mum, he was in complete denial. When it came to his term, time, sorry, he just he just accepted it. Wow. Just completely accepted it, and it was like it, you, you couldn't help but be completely um, kind of moved by his acceptance yeah. of um, what was happening. I'd never, I, truly, he never complained, not one time. God. With everything that was going on. Yeah. And th- it, it was so different from, um, you know, maybe it, maybe it was because my mum, because it just, everything happened so quickly and it was very confusing. Yeah. And he couldn't process it. He didn't have the time to process it. And she did because of the medication, all the painkillers that they put her on. She was not our mother. Yeah. She was, she was somebody completely different. Like, it was kind of like jarring the difference in her. She responded really poorly to the drugs. And that's so much shock as well. And I think, yeah. you know, we forget sometimes if like we get focused on grief that like shock is like the first, you know, level you have to get through of the game of grief. Yeah. <laughs> because someone dying quickly is a shock. Someone like being diagnosed very quickly is a shock. Someone, like you said, changing overnight from once it obviously got so unbearable for her body that like... yeah. And then you're de- you're sort of dealing with such an extreme version of an illness, you know, which would have been obviously you know much more spread out and de- a slow deterioration. Yeah, sh- much. Yeah. You know, of course, your dad, your poor dad. I mean, what could he have done to process that situation? Like, what could anyone have done? But yeah. you know, the fact that he then, like you said, accepted himself is, yeah, it is a thing we keep coming back to. It's like touching and heartbreaking at the same time that he had yeah. to he had to go through that, but also that he then learnt from it, like. Yeah, yeah. It, it's 
exactly that you know we had the conversations with the doctors and him that it's it's getting closer you know yeah. you you are you are dying and so on and you know they are important conversations and they ended up being you know moving conversations and i would have thought they would have been much harder than they were yeah. but um they weren't we, it's not that we tried to make it kind of light of it but we i almost think we kind of relaxed into what was happening yeah. because that felt like the best way to help him because his biggest worry was that um would was Kate you know what would happen to um Kate so that was his biggest problem that was his his major concern the whole time so the more relaxed we we figured it out really quickly the more relaxed we were the more relaxed he could be yeah. and i think that's that was an important thing for us so he felt that even though everything was quite intense and you know he is at the end of the day dying that we were calm about it and I'm, I'm, other people might not be able to be and it's however everybody is, is however they, you know, you do the best you can do. But we were able to be quite calm and um, relaxed about it. And we, we tried to turn everything into kind of a chance to sort of connect and do simple things like eat together and have a picnic and stuff, even if it was at a table in, a, you know, a rammed cafeteria <laughs> in Addenbrooke. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'd still set it up like a picnic and he loved it. So sweet, and um, and it, it was really good fun. It was re- in a sense we we didn't have to play it being calm. Yeah, because we, we we were just such such the shock of my mum. I just felt that this can't be like this for dad. It just you know I can't imagine what it feels like to know you're dying. Yeah, I think it must be hugely stressful. Yeah. um and really frightening. So I think that my and Kate's approach was to just um. Uh, try and be lighthearted, try and just um, be normal, yeah. you know, quote unquote. And hopefully it worked, And which I, th- I think it did really work because he laughed literally until he was unconscious a couple of days before. <laughs> and then, he, he, you know, as dad did, full of surprises, woke up, you know, to die, which was, again, a huge surprise. I mean, he'd been unconscious for 24 hours. Wow. He, he completely woke up, rolled onto his side, popped his eyes open and died. Oh, my God. And it was, it, it, it was, it was surreal. And yeah, I, I don't know what to say about it. I, I, I sat there and I just, I literally, you know, said that, you know, my, you know, you, you, you are dead. You know, it's, it's happened. It was, it was a very weird moment, but I was surprisingly not hysterical. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I was thinking, God, what's going to happen? I was very pleased Kate wasn't there though. Um, I think also selfishly, partly for my own benefit, because I think I would have found it so much harder if Kate would have been really stressed and mm. really, really emotional about, you know, and really ups- as you would be. Yeah, but I, yeah. I was actually, um, you know, not to sort of blow my own trumpet or anything, but I was, I was really quite calm about the whole thing because I kind of just felt that you know, it, it, this was inevitable and it kind of happened, um, uh, you know, ha- how it happened. But it was it was still surreal and surprising. Not, so, not like TV. Yeah, but that's so, like, truthfully beautiful. <laughs> like, that's how people die. Like you said, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's odd and confusing and they pop their eyes open after not, you know, like you said, being unconscious for all that long. And, yeah. And I think it's just a, what a testament to, like, to, to love and the relationship that you obviously had as a family that you were able to 
give that to him after what happened with your mum through nobody's you know nobody's fault just the yeah. way some people die is is not as calm and peaceful as others it's not and and i think that's incredible to because because not everyone learns lessons it sounds like you learned such a lesson as a family of like we're not going to do that like we're going to make a difference yeah. and that's that's incredible because yeah you know i've spoken to people mistakes have happened again and again and again and to be able to be with him and you know we've said this on the show a lot but like I have had story after story of people saying like we sat by their bedside and I went to cup a cup of tea and they died and like yeah. I you know I spoke to Dr. Catherine Mannix who's a palliative care consultant she has an amazing episode if you, if you haven't listened and where she says you know we're not allowed to say it's not scientific but they do sometimes wait for some people and they wait for other people to leave like that's like life and like you said yeah. perhaps the knowledge that you were going to be calm and okay he wasn't alone um, yeah you I'm know. pleased he wasn't alone yeah, but like definitely. I think it's so interesting that you said with your mum like she kept sending you away and then she she did die by yeah. herself but in a way I'm like this sounded like she did not want her children to be worrying about her like no I, def- I definitely I think she would have really disliked us being there yeah, um, yeah. and I think we, we kept we did keep getting sent away but I think that my dad I kind of I, I did kind of get the feeling that you know he 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 wanted me there yeah. and, I, and, and I'm, I'm glad I was there yeah um i th- i think it's it, it's been an important thing for me to experience and it's it's given me um uh kind of i guess a lot to think about in the sense about um what's important and what's not important in life and i think like you've said it is really difficult to hold on to this idea you know not to sweat the small stuff and get <laughs> yeah. stressed about all these all these things we're like crazily worried about that when you're in that experience you just you don't even acknowledge these tiny things in life that, yeah. you know, we, we can have such, you know, concerns for until you're staring at something much larger. Yeah. And I, in some ways I want to hold on to that, but at the same time, you know, I don't want to be in this constant, you know, position of, I suppose, being in, I don't know, being in grief, I guess. I don't know how to put it. Yeah, it's it's tricky because it's not a state that you can keep up day to day. It no. isn't. It's a state yeah. that you, it's a sort of a lesson you have to keep coming back to. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's a helpful thing to have in your pocket. <laughs> you're like, I know that. And then sometimes every now and again, you're like, hang on a minute, I'm getting wrapped up in things that really don't matter. But you, you like we said, you can't live at that volume. It, it doesn't, no. it's, it's a hard place to put yourself. Definitely. Um, yeah. John, thank you so much. They sound thank like you. beautiful people, Mary thank and David. You. And it was yeah. really nice to hear about them and, and your experience of grief. And as I said, the book is out now. It's incredible. It's really beautiful. Thank you. Read. Thank you so much. You can follow John on Twitter at John L. Ransom. That's J-O-N-L-R-A-N-S-O-M. John L. Ransom on Twitter. His book, The Whale Tattoo, is available to buy now. It's an extraordinary piece of writing. I really do recommend it. It's not not a huge book. um, And it's so, yeah, it will stay with you. I definitely recommend picking it up buying it and picking it up um you can follow us on twitter at the griefcast and instagram at the griefcast uh, the show was recorded remotely in living rooms it was edited by kate holland music was provided by the glue ensemble artwork by jade perkin and stop motion animation by ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And it's love day. I think that's everything. Yes, yes, I agree with you. By now, six years in, I should know what the credits are. And, and who's even getting this far anyway? If you are, thank you so much for letting this podcast slowly play out. Um, and remember, you are not alone. 